everyone. My name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 113 of the show. Last episode, this was next episode. And now it's this episode. But soon what? it's going to be last episode again. And what are you going to have done for your life? Listen to you know some what cool podcasts. You know what else it is? What? Or is it not? Am I, am I saying this too soon? Is this the end of the year or is that next episode? It's the end of the year for this As podcast. As we know it. Yeah. Another end. 1965 is in the bag, baby. Wow. That went so much faster than 64. I don't know why, but it did. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, it didn't actually go any faster. And right <laughs> towards the end, we had more like recording gaps, mm-hmm. which the listeners don't know about because, you know, we keep those things under the hood. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, 1966, which is a really big year. Well, 65 felt pretty good, too. Maybe that's why it seemed like it went fast because there was a lot of... Cool stuff going on. There was a lot of cool stuff. We're going to have a sort of little end review or end of year brief discussion halfway through this episode. So yeah. Um, so stay tuned for that. But we, but are, in order to do that, we have to actually finish the year. We do. We have to finish the year. We have two more comics for 1965. They're the big ones. They are the Fantastic Four 48 and Amazing Spider-Man 34. And then mm-hmm. after a brief stop on Memory Lane, we're going to finish up the episode with the X-Men 18 and Daredevil 14. Yes. So, oh, you're like, yes, now you should start the episode. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, yes, now it's your turn. Actually, one other tiny tidbit before we start, and that is that um, the Spanish teacher at my middle school sent me Mm -hmm. a link. um, Because right around this time, 1965, the most popular Mexican comic book character started his publication. Uh, Oh, God. Kaliman, El Hombre Increíble, which is Kaliman Uh the Incredible Man. Okay. Um, he had had a radio show since like 1962 or 63, and it was really popular with the kids. And so they started adapting their radio show stories into comics. And the notes I found said that the adaptations were really faithful. There was no extra expansion, no extra mysteries revealed. Um, it was just a way of reliving the radio shows. And mm-hmm. um, being a, you know, out of practice Spanish speaker, I'm going to start reading them and kind of brushing up on my Spanish a bit. How do we spell Cali Man? K-A-L-I-M-A-N. And if oh. you forget, you can go and talk to the high priest on Indiana Jones of the Temple of Doom. Kaliman. Kaliman. Oh, my gosh. Wow, he looks kind of cool, actually. Yeah. And turns out they use Marvel characters. Like occasionally, in the course of the story, he runs across Dr. Doom and Galactus and some others. Wow. Yep. All right. But speaking of Galactus, where you were gonna, I thought this is where you are going to introduce Peepers. <laughs> No, but that's a great segue. Oh. <laughs> so for my um, for my Image Comics podcast, um, a lot of times whenever a property is crossed over with or temporarily published by Image, uh, if it seems interesting, if I want to know more about it, I'll read like the back issues of that character. Right now I'm reading through all of Vampirella, which has been a lot of fun. Um, but Megaton Man, uh, which is, oh crap, is his name? I want to say Don Johnson. I feel like that's wrong. Um, Jeff get, Johnson? Huh? Jeff Johnson, you said? Oh, Don Johnson. Megaton Man? Megaton Man, yeah. M-E-G-A-T-O-N Man. Uh, oh, Don Simpson. Don Simpson, yes. Yes, So yes, yes. Um, he and uh, Valentino's character, Normal Man, they have a crossover together in 1994. So I've been reading their backlog from the 80s, in Underground Comics. And um, 
in the in the parody of the Fantastic Four in Megaton Man, one of the issues gets introduced <laughs> by the Peeper, who is this really skeevy looking old white bald dude who's like, "I am the Peeper. I, I peep." What was it? The uh, was it the judge said on the on the restraining order? <laughs> Anyways, it was fun. That's funny. And he shows up right here on the cover of the Fantastic Four Forty Eight. Oh yes, in all of his peeping glory. Oh yes, big what time is he, cover. What is he wearing? I don't know if this is the same thing he normally wears. Is it this whole under thing under his toga? His uh, well, I don't know what it is. Like shoulder pads and stuff. Yeah, but it looks like the on the on his right side the toga goes over it. And on his mm-hmm. left side, he has a shoulder pad sticking out. It's like he didn't know which side to put on first. <laughs> yeah, kind of, huh? It's That'd weird. The only way to do that is to put it on wrong on one side. Right, right. Yeah. But That's you know, weird. you know them watchers and their and their crazy, uh, crazy um, <laughs> sense of fashion. Oh, he's like, oh no, I put this on wrong, but I must not interfere. <laughs> must not interfere with myself. So the Fantastic Four 48 is, of course, a landmark issue. Here at the end of 1965, I'm thinking, wow, we have arrived. The coming of Galactus. The fabulous FF find wonders without end. Black Bolt's evil brother Maximus the Magnificent, in a final desperate attempt to regain his lost crown, has fired the dreaded Atmo gun which, while harmless to the Inhumans, will set up vibrations which can end all human life on Earth. And now, let's join the party. Also introducing the sensational Silver Surfer, a.k.a. the Marvel character with the 60s name ever. <laughs> the fateful vibrations have started thanks to Maximus and also thanks to Stan Lee, writer without peer, Jack Kirby, penciler of the year, Joe Sinnott, inker most sincere, Artie Simic, how did he get in here? Oh, that's like Dr. Seuss, kind of. <laughs> right? For the, the beetle bottle paddle battle. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Atmo gun is causing vibrations. Everyone's falling over because of all the ruckus. Um, the, the buildings that they're in start to crack and fall down. Uh, Black Bolt flies out to see if he can stop Maximus. Um, Black Bolt confronts his brother and backhands him. And um, uh, Medusa's like, dude... Maximus, check out the monitor. Everybody's fine. We are the same race as the humans. So this thing that you thought would kill non-inhumans hasn't actually hurt anybody. And Maximus is like, oh, no, I was racist, but I I shouldn't have been because we're all the same human race. And anyways, um, there's a little bit where Medusa is like, Black Bolt's so awesome, I would give him my heart, but I can't because I have to be forlorn. And... Um, Maximus goes and grabs, he reverses the charge on his Atmo gun to create a negative zone around (sighs) the land. Not the Mm -hmm. negative zone that we're going to learn about later, but this is an early term for the barrier that they're going to put around the Great Refuge. He basically makes a giant bubble around the Great Refuge. But the, the Fantastic Four twig what's going on and they start running and they get out just before the, uh, I guess, the jello sets of the Great Barrier. Um, because it's around them, but they're still moving through. But once they get out, they can't actually get back in. And Johnny and Chris are like, oh no, we'll never see each other again. I love you forever. Um, meanwhile, as the Fantastic Four head home in space, a silver dude on a silver surfboard 
is surfing through the spaceways of the galaxy. Um, the scrolls see him and they're like, oh no, hide. If the silver surfers there, Galactus can't be far behind. We can't be caught by Galactus. So more about that in a minute. The Fantastic Four are flying back to the United States because the, um, the Great Refuge and the Great Barrier and all that, that was over in, um, in I think, South Asia. I don't know exactly where it was. Um, and there's all this fire in the sky. There's like a blanket of flame uh, in the sky. Like, oh no, what's going on? And Human Torch flies out. Hey, I made a fire. Maybe I can figure this out. Nope, sure can't. But now I'm getting blamed for it. Everyone thinks I did it. And they're shooting me with water hoses. Um, Reed Richards and the other Fantastic Two are on one of his little like wiry sky planes. Uh, Benjamin J. Grimm lands on the ground and stops people from harassing Johnny Storm. Um, meanwhile, the Silver Surfer is still flying toward the Earth. Um, he is actually, he has found our sun and is entering our star system. Um, Reed is in his lab trying to figure out what that all was. He has used his stretchy powers to make his beard hairs look longer, even though it's only been like an hour. Um, then all of a sudden in the sky, instead of fire, it's now rocks. There's like rocks up in the sky. And, and Thing looks up and says, is that my Aunt Petunia? No, it's just Rock's thing. Sorry. Um, the Watcher shows up and says, hey, I'm the Watcher. And uh, I made those rocks happen up there, trying to trying to hide the Earth from Galactus. And um, yeah, so Galactus is coming. The Silver Surfer, meanwhile, sees the blanket of rocks surrounding a planet. He threads his way through the rocks and sees the Earth. He's like, ooh, Earth. Uh, the... Human Torch comes up and tries to uh, attack the Silver Surfer, but the Silver Surfer is not having any of it. He lands on the roof. Thing tries to knock him off, does succeed in knocking him off, and, and the Watcher's like, no, 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 you didn't really knock him off. I mean, you did, but he doesn't really care. He's not going to die. He's just going to land on his surfboard and keep on going. So this ball of space technology flies into this atmosphere and opens up and all of these high quality electronic doodad whoozy watses start flying out and assembling themselves on the roof of the skyscraper and out steps wearing his christmas color festivities galactus a giant dude who says he's going to eat the planet woohoo this is it Okay, so I say uh, step step one. Let's just finish our discussion on how stupid the Inhuman story was, <laughs> and then we can move on from there. Because that's like the little bit at the beginning here that wraps up. It actually reminded me of remember Avengers sixteen, how they kind of had this whole like, oh yeah, we got to pretty much uh, wrap up this Masters of Evil thing so we can get to this cool roster story. Mm-hmm. And so it's like Thor, can you just like quickly transport him to some universe where Masters of Evil powers don't work? And okay, they win two pages in, and now we can do something good. That kind of feels like what they did here, which is sort of weird because like I don't know. I'm glad that they didn't drag it out any longer than it already was because I have not been loving this Inhuman story, but I kind of hate that it's tagged on to this otherwise very milestone issue of the first appearance of Galactus and Silver Surfer. You know, right. Like, it would have been cooler if the Fantastic Four started out eating brunch when they saw the flames in the sky or something. Or had, like, some shenanigans. In. Certainly, in a collected form, this would read more easily if they're, like, you know, Ben and Johnny or, or shenaniganing mm-hmm. in the Fantastic Four house. Um, I think I liked human things more than you did. What I, what, the thing that bothers me the most about it is that the huge story disconnect between, mm-hmm. I want to say it was last issue and the issue before, 46 mm-hmm. and 47. 
I don't think it was 45 and 46. I think it was 46 mm-hmm. and 47. Um, it's like issues 44, 45, and 46 were building in one direction. And we get to 47 and like all the concepts have changed. Yeah, exactly. But it seemed like, like they were on the run, but then it turns out, no, they actually rule the world. Huh? They actually, yeah, they actually, they're the royal family. It's like they went from being the put-upons to the putter-upons. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, so that was weird. Um, and I know, you know, I've, I've never read this before, and I was kind of excited to know more about what the frick the Inhumans are. Because, of course, I know who they are, and I recognize the characters. But it's like, what are they? I take them for granted, kind of. But this didn't really answer that for me. Like, apparently, they're just humans. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and they have a little bit of story that they gave us last issue with their background. Uh-huh. Um, they're going to develop that more. But they are definitely an offshoot of humanity. It's just that they... They're, they're so created. historically disconnected from humanity that they think of themselves as being something separate, which is probably why Maximus got that idea. And we can we can get that just from the stuff they told us last issue or the issue before. Because um, they're also created, right? They weren't birthed. Their powers, the fact that oh. they have powers, was was created in them. Okay. So they 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 have, they found ways to give themselves abilities. Okay. I think is what we heard in the origin story. Um, I just feel, I feel like this is one of those stories where 10, 12 years from now, some writer's going to come along and retell it in a way that makes more sense or something. Exactly. That's exactly what's going to happen. Okay. So we'll just have to wait for that because this just did not endear me to the Inhumans, really. And I find it really annoying that the coolest name in the world, the Negative Zone, was used for this story, even though we know it's not really the Negative Zone. <laughs> So that Wait, sucked so too. Next issue, there's another name that's another name that you already know that is uh-huh. going to get preempted for another person that you were like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So it's like that's a bummer too. I don't know. But now that that's out of the way, unless you have something else to talk about with it, um, I just was like, whenever Black Bolt smacks Maximus, I was like, damn, that was and cool. Medusa is like in all this world, it is only he to whom I would give my heart, but he has a destiny to fulfill. And I must wait till it be done. And well, I'm what like, is that? Are, are you are you going to wait until he dies? I What's mean, his destiny? destiny is to be king, right? So. Yeah, that usually <laughs> that usually requires a woman, right, for you know well, creating legacy and stuff. I, I would think so. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. That was just a weird drama beat for no reason, but whatever. They, they've got to they've got to throw the the uh, angst into the romantic drama. I was just thinking on the uh, page six when they get outside of the negative zone. I wrote something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben's like, the kid's quiet now. He knows he's lost her. He's taking it better than I would if anyone ever tried to separate me from Alicia. I Uh got a feeling I'm never going to think of him as a kid again. And I'm like, not bloody likely. I mean. (laughs) Well, for multiple reasons. But yeah, I agree. What was that? Um, Scott calling Iceman a man. And Iceman's like, you never called me a man before. Yeah, but in this case, he's having an emotional breakdown over someone he met two minutes ago. So how is that not being a kid? Right. And then, right. two, we, we just know that he's going to treat him like a kid again because we know. Because we know. But, yeah, that is the end of the first phase of the Inhumans. So uh-huh. we get to the Silver Surfer surfing the spaceways. <sighs> so coolest character ever, kind of, in a way. Some, like Some really cool art, too, to introduce Totally him. cool art. And I love the mystery of him, like. I mean, of course, we know who he is, but when you're first reading this for the first time, he doesn't have any dialogue. He's just flying through space. The scrolls tell us this isn't a good thing, but he just keeps coming closer and closer, and it's so dramatic and ominous, and it's really cool. I wonder – see, I have a hard time separating, like, 
whether it's corny or not. Because to me, he's always been the Silver Surfer, and he always flies around on a surfer board, and he's called the Silver Surfer, and he was cool when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But, like, is that true of everybody's experience, the Silver Surfer? Or if I showed this to a 58-year-old guy who's never read comics, would he go, the Silver Surfer? That's weird. Um, I think it's he's it never read comics before. It is a little bit of a weird, corny idea. But and this is one of the things I liked the most about that. I think I think that generally fans liked the most about the second Fantastic Four film was the realization of the Silver Surfer. Yes, that was the best part for sure. It's really, really cool. And yeah, it's a crazy idea. It's so 60s. It's so Kirby bonkers. Uh-huh. And like, if you read Kirby Fourth World or Kirby Eternals, you find issue or, or Kirby's uh, Captain America run in the 70s. Issue after issue of random ideas thrown at the wall and they rarely stick. He just like, yeah. just goes, he's just idea generator. Silver Surfer is like that. It's a random bonkers idea, but this one stuck. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is just because of his mysterious persona, which is good. Cause if, you know, they could have gone the other way and made him like a hang loose kind of guy or something i don't know you know right if they really wanted to capture the essence of surfing in the 1960s but they made him like this really like they gave him a lot of gravitas or something i don't know he just has always been a really cool character and his introduction is no less cool and he he has a lot of philosophy about him he has a lot of of thought as a mm-hmm. like like his personality has gravitas to it, you know? Yeah. And he's like a wanderer and he seems like he's kind of alone all the time. And he mm-hmm. had this really bad choice he had to make. And he's kind of responsible for killing billions of people. And he has to deal with that. And yeah, it's just a cool, cool character. It is very, I very used, cool. I used to collect his comic when like, I don't know, volume three or something back in the day, the nineties. Yeah. That was, that was technically volume three. Although I think of it as volume two, because uh-huh. volume two is actually just a two issue epic two-parter uh-huh yeah um, volume one is the 18 issue giant series right. like like really big issues and then uh volume technically volume three is the one of the 90s that led to the return of thanos in the Infinity right. series yeah that was good stuff yas um, uh go ahead I, I really love when random marvel aliens are shown mm-hmm. reacting to a cosmic threat mm-hmm. like you know, way down the row with the Dark Phoenix and the fact that other aliens are seeing reacting to this, that's pretty great. The scrolls here make one of their cameos that they're going to make every now and then before they mm-hmm. get another story way down the road. Um, yep. But why does the Silver Surfer take Galactus across multiple galaxies looking for a planet to eat? I don't know how that works. I wonder if someone explains that someday. Because <laughs> I would think... You're like, you're like driving through the shopping area, surrounded uh, by fast food places, wondering where you can get a burger. Well, I wonder if I'm just projecting or I don't know. First of all, how many, we don't know in the Marvel, in the Earth 616, how many planets are viable for him to eat? Like I assume, presumably it has to be something that, that supports life, right? Right. Which is not easy to find in our world. I don't know about 616 world. Two... If he gets to choose, is he like just delaying the inevitable or like going, oh, the scrolls have a pretty important empire. I shouldn't let him eat those guys. Oh, what's this earth place? I've never heard of these weirdos because they don't travel in the space or anything. So I'll pick this one because mm-hmm. they seem insignificant or something. I don't know. Maybe but yeah, you're right. Why do they pick it? Or they're going all this way for some other reason. And then along the way, the server finds mm-hmm. food. I don't know. 
don't know. But there are at least at least two different galaxies because we see the scrolls. They're in a separate galaxy. They're the Andromeda galaxy. We get the whole fifth quadrant description thing again. Um, and then they come to the Milky Way galaxy, passing all the stars you have to pass to get to us. Uh huh. Anyways, are any of those edible? I don't know what he's looking for. That's the thing. Yeah, I, I just feel like the, the chances of something else out there being edible seem like. <laughs> No, it's gotta have it's gotta have cosmically radiated superheroes on it. It's gotta or, have scroll cows. <laughs> yes, yeah, scroll cows and uh, the Avengers, or it's not delicious. Right. Um, so, uh, have you ever read Marvels? I love Marvels. So, once again, we we are on this show reading a story that I've known about for a long time, but never actually read. Right? Because everybody mm-hmm. knows about the coming of Galactus. I know how this story is going to end, but I've never read it. But I have read it. In one way, in the form of Marvel's number three, I think. I think it's number three, yeah. And in that, if for people who haven't read it, first of all, go read it. Four-issue miniseries. Really awesome. But it's from the point of view of the civilians, right? Particularly one, but also just generally. So it's not talking to – in the story, it's not talking or explaining anything really, right? It's just how they're experiencing things. So I remember reading that issue and not understanding – what was making the sky catch on fire mm-hmm. and what was making rocks suddenly appear. But they put that in the story because that's how it happens, right? And Alex Ross made it beautiful and epic and scary. Yeah. So I just was kind of neat to finally read, oh, it was the Watcher. I thought it was Galactus who was making rocks and fire for right? a reason. You know? Yeah. Had very similar reactions. This was also – that was also my first uh, exposure to this story was via the Marvel's miniseries. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that was, that came out right towards the end of my comic book collecting. My teenage comic book collecting was actually relatively brief. It was only like three, four years. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we got Marvels cause the artwork was so amazing. Oh yeah. And, um, then, you know, way down the road when I started getting a hold of old sixties comics, reading it here was, was very interesting. Very different. Yeah, it was. We should do Marvel someday. I was actually just thinking that. I don't know what we said last time we were going to do for episode 200, but maybe Marvel's is also. Some sort of Captain America thing, but yeah, Marvel's oh, covers yeah, the, the whole Marvel universe. Thing. Yeah, but that's just one character where Marvel's covers the whole 60s universe and 40s. What's crazy, though, is that in issue three, we're at Galactus, uh-huh. which is Fantastic Four, 48, 50, around the mm-hmm. same time as his Amazing, Sp- Amazing Spider Man 34, 36. Mm-hmm. In issue four of Marvel's. Goes to the death of Gwen Stacy, which is issue 121 of oh Amazing Spider Man. Wow. He skips 85 issues worth of time. <laughs> well, the guy does get older each issue, so maybe that was the intention. I don't know. He starts out as a young man in World War II, and by the issue four, he's like retired and stuff. Yeah. But anyway, there was a second series they did of Marvels about 10 years ago. Uh huh. And they've just recently started a new Marvels thing that I haven't looked into. Oh. I saw them. I saw them advertise it. Okay. I'll have to look into it. Yeah. I know um, the second series did not have Alex Ross art, but it did have the same writer, if I remember correctly. He does that a lot now. He like contributes designs and he does the covers, but then other people do the interior. Mm-hmm. Not as fun, but whatever. That's okay. Um, and then we get a lot of stuff we're really familiar with. I don't have a whole lot else to say, except that it's really cool to be here. I, I love anytime the thing encounters someone who thinks he's really tough. That was just fun. I mean, yes. does not really contribute much to the story, but a whole page of this guy punching thing over and over again, only to get knocked out by a flick of his finger. That's pretty awesome. And uh, Watcher's like, yeah, a fall won't hurt him. It's just the easiest way for him to get off the roof. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the Silver Walker, Surfer does not does not speak in this at all. He doesn't. I just cool. think he speaks in forty nine. I know he speaks in fifty. Yeah, but that just adds to his mystery. Like, who is this dude? Right. What's going on? I love it. This issue is all about really cool ideas with very little explanation. But oh my gosh, it's big. Um, now, of course, we we could probably just beat this dead horse and talk about why the Watcher is the worst Watcher ever. But he's not even pretending to not interfere. No. He is full on <laughs> here this just time. Like, oh, your planet's going to be eaten. I better do something. Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa! That is not how this works, buddy. I hid your planet. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, how does he know that we aren't destined to be eaten? You know, like maybe that, maybe not being eaten wrecks something else for somebody. It seems and like maybe, Galactus is part of a big ecosystem, right? What if clothing, clothing the planet in fire and rocks actually caught the surfer's attention? Right. It did, didn't it? You know, the whole thing about like, if you want to hide something from Superman, hide it in lead. Uh huh. And there was that one issue, I think it was issue nine, where he was against the Joker, I think it was. Uh-huh. And he's yeah. like, I scanned the city. Anytime I can't see through something, that's a red flag to me. Yeah. The Joker hid three of his friends in lead-lined coffins throughout the city. So he just flew up into the sky, found the three things he couldn't see through. Right. And they didn't already know were there because they were nuclear reactors or something. Right, right. So he just scanned it. It's like, oh, well, there's one, there's one, there's one. So, yeah, I think uh, putting a big giant rock ring around Earth with an arrow was not a great idea, but... Do we have anything else to say before the last page? No. That first shot of Galactus, though. So here's the thing. Like, on the one hand, I like it because it's kind of, you know, hey, it's 60s or whatever. But like like you said, it's Christmas colors, which I don't picture Galactus normally sporting. No, and he won't be wearing these next issue. And on top of that, it's gonna, he's... It's going to get recolored. <laughs> in, the fl- in the flashback stuff, it's, he's usually pictured much bigger. So much like Giant Man and his, like, you know, I can only go eight feet... I don't know. I think like in Marvel's three, for instance, that we keep talking about, he's giant. He's huge. He's way over, you know. Mm-hmm. And then here, like Reed's head is up to his crotch, so he's not that big. No, he's, he's just, not. I mean, he may be 15, 18 feet tall, which mm-hmm. granted is tall, but it's not the monster that we normally think of. And like, there's a scene I can think of where Galactus is like laying down comatose, and his head. Mm-hmm. Is the size, it can like hold 20 people inside it. I have never seen Galactus depicted this short. Now, I don't know if he has powers that can cha- allow him to change his size. He probably does. He's but, like a transformer. He has he has involuntary size changing abilities. It just happens. Or possibly this is just a badly drawn panel. And next issue, he's going to be giant. And we're going to wonder how this happened. But I hate to say badly drawn because it's first concept. No. Yeah, and it looks really good. I just mean yeah, like, like they weren't. This thinking. is this was Galactus. This was the original Galactus, and then later they decided let's let's size that boy up a little bit. He's going to eat yeah. a planet, right? He needs to be a little later, bit bigger. Later, let's make it so the thing is the size of his toe. Right. Yeah. Right now he's like half his size. So anyway, honestly, it could just be weird it, the idea of him as a cosmic being like changing size uh-huh. at will could seems be. like it could be a thing. Totally. Um, he has a and- G. I know. That's really unfortunate, huh? It's like that scene in Man of Steel where it's like, what's what's the G stand for? It's 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 not a G. On my world it stands for nom 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 nom. (laughs) Well, here it's a G. (laughs) Uh, Um 
But I got to say, like, and we've been, we've had a lot of Kirby on this show, and that's cool. But one of my things about the difference between Marvel and DC's world is there's just so much Kirby in the Marvel world. Like, DC has some Kirby, but it's kind of an offshoot thing. Like, uh-huh. yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of the new gods and stuff, but you don't really, it's not a foundation of Batman, Kirby. Right. You know? Right. But Marvel Universe is so Kirby, and the biggest Kirby of all to me is Galactus and, Galactus and Silver Surfer. Should we ignore that, or do you want to? Do we need to do it? Oh, I was going to mute through it, but forget it. Just ignore it, everybody. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. It's really exciting to get to Galactus because this is like you know the cement that makes the Marvel universe to me, kind of. And it's an interesting comparison because right there is Kirby at DC, but the Marvel universe sits on Kirby and the and the foundation. It's pretty much that, and then there's like little you know alleyways of daredevil and spider-man and stuff but yeah kirby is kind of like the ever-present design force right, behind right. all future marvel ideas basically so yeah the fantastic 448 very exciting we are here at the big uh, big g yeah all right so speaking of those alleyways let's go down one if yeah. we're ready to Wrap up amazing the year. amazing spider-man number 34 our last book for 1965 right dun, yeah dun, dun. It is called The Thrill of the Hunt. Guess who the villain is? Bet you'll never um, guess. Um, um, is it the Huntsman? That one the character in Wildcats? That's right. The Huntsman in Amazing Spider-Man number 34. Featuring the somewhat magnificent menace of Craven the Hunter. The somewhat? That's not a very... <laughs> That's really underplayed there, Stan. The somewhat? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, scripted and edited by Stan Lee, plotted and illustrated by Steve Ditko, lettered and relished by Sam Rosen. We start with Craven in a place full of trophies of animals, you know, the heads on the walls and the gorilla statues. And it's even got a head of the chameleon, which I initially took a double take and thought they meant like he killed the chameleon. But I think it's just the chameleon's like pad that he's hanging out at. And that's one of the chameleon's heads that he uses to put masks on or something. It kind of looks like he hunted the chameleon and killed him, though. Uh, it does look like that. Although my my wife does have a mannequin head. Uh-huh. So these things exist. They are creepy and weird. Yeah, I think we saw the chameleon in his room with mannequin heads on the wall. So that kind of works. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I'm not sure where he is. I think Africa or something because he goes outside and there's a lion and he decides to prove he's awesome by beating up the lion. And then he says, okay, I'm ready. I'm sick of the idea that Spider-Man beat me, so I'm going to try again. So he gets a job as an illegal immigrant to, on a boat because he, of course, is still want or has a warrant out for his arrest in the United States. So he's sneaking his way in, unlike last time where he was famously let in. Uh, we cut to Peter Parker revealing that he's Spider-Man to Betty. What? But then, no, it's a dream. She wakes up horrified, screaming, nightmare, and then she's like, thank God that's not true. Um, but it is true because we cut to Spider-Man doing Spider-Man, or Peter Parker doing Spider-Man things. He goes to pick uh, or visit May at the hospital. She's still there. Then we cut to his school and the entire a uh, 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 cast of males that go to his school all want to make it, whatever that means, with Gwen. And she loves that, but she hates that Peter still does not. She sees him walking by and she's like, I'm going to drop my book. See if this cat tries to make it with me. 
And when he reaches down to pick it up and be polite, she steps on it and says, no, you tried, you didn't, you've never tried to make it with me, so I don't like you. And all the other boys get around and go, yeah, if you don't try and make it with Gwen, we don't like you either. And he's like, wow, I never noticed all this animosity before. I was so wrapped up in my own issues with Aunt May. I guess that entire time, everybody's been hating me. This sucks. Um, we cut to Craven, who snuck his way in. And he's got this big chuckling plan. Turns out what his plan is, uh, is to dress up as Spider-Man, accost J. Jonah Jameson on the street. And when J. Jonah Jameson screams and cries and gathers up some, uh, you know, public crowd, Spider-Man, a.k.a. Craven, runs away. So now there's like this big news report that Spider-Man has gone crazy and he attacked J. Jonah Jameson, which, of course, makes Peter Parker upset, who is watching this TV at home with the now returned uh aunt may and he's like i'm gonna go out there and take care of this nonsense um and so he goes to look for him and the fake spider-man finds him first and reveals himself to be craven and then they get they start running around this abandoned uh building basically like kind of hunting each other um and there's also like this group of thugs that kind of get in the way and spider-man has to take care of them but that's not that hard um, and he ultimately just gets into a big fist fight with Craven and proves to be faster and stronger than Craven realized. So Craven starts to run away and now he's being hunted, but then he sneak attacks and they get into more fights. And ultimately he wraps him up and shines a light and lets the police uh, pick him up. And I don't remember why, but I think he like, he can't take a picture of it for some reason and it makes him sad or something. But then we cut to the daily. Oh, 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 I remember Craven agreed that if he did lose the fight, that he would, you know, honorably tell the police that he was the one who was impersonating Spider-Man, which he does. So I guess he has a little bit of honor. And And Spider-Man doesn't take the pictures because he would have to go see Betty if he turned them in. Oh, that's right. So he really is just trying to avoid Betty at this point. Um, Then we cut to the Daily Bugle and there is a new Betty in town because Betty has left and we don't know why. And there's a replacement and it's Veronica. And it's Veronica. So uh, Peter Parker goes home. I think he's just like cap sad about Betty and stuff. He's happy that, uh, uh, you know, the Watson lady, aunt, whatever, and his aunt are hanging out and stuff. But that's it. And then it says next issue, the Molten Man returns and Mike groaned. The end. Yeah. He's Bucky sad. I mean, Becky sad. I mean, Betty sad. Yeah. I always like um, to say Cap sad when you can see their back because there was been a. I think there's a lot of issues coming up where Cap is walking away from the panel with his head lowered. Dun, Cap sad. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, kind of. Hulk sad is more accurate, maybe. So the, cool. the thing I like about this issue is mm-hmm. how the Green Goblin paid Craven to do all this. What? <laughs> <laughs> a little I, bit I, down the road, we're going to find out that Craven uh, is going after Spider Man here. Because the Green Goblin paid him to. That does not seem to be the motivation. It does not at all seem to be the motivation. But yeah, yay retcons. Huh. Yeah, I guess. That's cool, I guess. I mean, there's no, there's nothing in here that prevents that from being true, I guess. What Basically what happens is uh, Craven hasn't gotten the payment yet. So he mm-hmm. goes after the Green Goblin at a point in time when the Green Goblin has already unmasked and been arrested. And oh. so Craven goes after him to get the money, can't find him, and that's our next Craven story. Okay. I think, if I remember right correctly, that's how it goes. Well, you know, in between the panels of I must get my revenge on Spider-Man, maybe he's also thinking, and make some money. Yeah, I, I can buy that. Like, 
Yeah. The two desires happened to coincide happily. Yeah, it's just it was his inspiration to get revenge, maybe. Because where has he been otherwise? Speaking of inspiration, poor Betty is not doing well. No, she's I am amazed that we're still dealing with Betty. Like I thought it was over, but it's not over. It's still going. And on page and four, she says she has to make a decision about him. She can't put it off any longer. But he's already made his decision. Has she not noticed? <laughs> he broke up with her. And he she's still her. trying to figure out her life. And every time he sees her, he totally ghosts her at this point, making her cry. And then she's like, boy, I really better decide if I want to date Peter. You can't. I really, I've got to figure out before I answer Ned's engagement if I should hook up with Peter and said, hey, Peter, leave me alone, Betty. Peter, leave me alone, Betty. Peter, leave me alone, Betty. I wonder if I should get with Peter before I talk to Ned. <laughs> oh, my God. I think Ned should move on. It's bad. It's gotten uh-huh. bad. You I know, mean, I used to not like Ned because I read Spider-Man in the 80s when Ned was kind of a bad guy. And now it's mm-hmm. like, I know, I understand why he's a bad guy now. Um, you know, long-time listeners to, to shows that I've done will remember the Betty pastiche on Amazing Spider-Man classics. And, you know, early in this show's run, I didn't necessarily agree with all that. I saw a lot of other sides to Betty. But at this point, Betty is off the rails. Yeah, I've been on Betty's side before. I remember that. I remember there were times where I thought Peter was being a huge jerk hole but right now she's she needs to move on she needs Mm -hmm. to get over it yeah not that he's actually still actually i don't know he's still not handling it right because he's just mad at her that she's scared of spider-man and he is spider-man right Right. peter is not blameless at all betty just needs to move on (laughs) yeah yeah he's just trying to cut her off and it's not working right and meanwhile this gwen is kind of nutty too like the first gwen appearance i remember thinking the drawings and the text weren't gelling now i think they are and she's just kind of this weird wicked woman which is not how i picture gwen um i would call her wicked well Well, i guess she's being unfair to peter they keep giving her like these high arch selena kyle evil eyebrows yeah and like and she's just all about like the boys flirting with her and her being mad that peter doesn't too and like you know in my life I didn't read a lot of Gwen because she was dead by the time I got into comics. But, of mm-hmm. course, in, you know, she's been in cartoons and stuff. And she always just seems like the nice girl next door that is tragically going to die. And here right. she's just like kind of wicked, sort of. She's like the new uh, – what's her face? Uh, wow, Not Betty. Who was the girl that liked Peter? That Oh, Liz. Liz Allen. She's kind of like the new Liz. In her early days. She does have some Liz Allen flavor to her, yeah. So if Peter's not around, she just likes to flirt with the boys, and that's fine. That's totally chill. Yeah. Her big thing about Peter seems to be, he didn't flirt with me, therefore Mm -hmm. I'm mad at him. Mm Mm-hmm. Which Which I don't think is, is necessarily the most normal human response. Well, it may be with some people, but not a Gwen character, at least in the way I've always thought of Gwen. But hey, oh well. And every one of these characters in college is going to go through a metamorphosis once we have a creative team shift. Yeah, Um, go ahead. Well, one of the first things that Ramita does, actually the the first thing Ramita does whenever he's telling his own stories and not finishing up Ditko's stories, is Mm -hmm. a big round of apologies. Everybody apologizes. Everybody makes friends. I was going to say, Harry actually isn't really acting the way I think of Harry either. So yeah, he's kind of, he's kind of like a big Jimmy Olsen jerk with the weird Brillo hair. <laughs> he is very Jimmy Olsen, but with the jerk. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So he makes a uh, historical reference. And since I've sort of made that a thing on the show is um, he says, we had to spell it out for you, Peter. You're as popular here as Mao Zedong. 
Um, for those who don't know, Mao Zedong was the first communist chairman in China. Oh, great. He led the revolution against the government. The Chinese government of the day fled the country to what is now Taiwan, mm-hmm. or what the people in Taiwan, they call the Republic of China. The okay. old China is called the People's Republic of China because it's communist. Um, anyway, uh, Mao's rule was marked by a lot of sweeping changes that led to millions of deaths in the country. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's not the most popular person in the world in 1965. Okay. Well, that would make sense then. Yes. And that would be what's called an insult. That is what's called an insult, kids, with the uh, the bow tie Brillo head boy talking <laughs> that, down. <laughs> that Osborne hair, man, I'll, I'll never understand it exactly. But No, it's, it's a freak of nature. It really is. I get the whole I don't need to beg thing from Peter, but a brief... Hey guys, sorry, I had a family emergency. Wouldn't have been hard. Yes. Yeah, that's a very uh, TV trope, isn't it? Like, or even movies with misunderstandings where you think, boy, if he had just said this sentence, this whole movie would be over. If he just said something, I don't know, what's the word? Normal. Like Harry Potter? Man, I like, <laughs> I love me the Harry Potter movies, but it's also like, dude, communication goes a long way, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. their friend drama in the last few, uh, last few books... Is pretty uh, pretty insane. Um, I have something for page seven. If you've got nothing else, the last on. thing was on page six. Gwen Stacy mm-hmm. looking at Peter. He couldn't care less. Look at him bending uh-huh. over those test tubes. Doesn't even know it exists. Well, Mister Peter Parker, you just wait. And I'm thinking yeah. it might have been it might have been healthier for Gwen in the long term if she had just mm-hmm. reined in her hormones at this point and left Peter alone. She's just coming across as an insecure person who can't deal with someone who doesn't worship the ground she walks on. Yeah. Which is weird for a Gwen. But, you know, maybe she'll evolve. Like you said, I'm sure you're right. Probably Ramita just turns it into more of a straightforward romance or something. Mm-hmm. I do like her little hair clips, though, as opposed to the headband that becomes so iconic later. I mean, she's looking pretty femme fatale evil in that last panel. Like, she wants to set him on fire or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she does. Uh, okay, so back to Marvel's 3 – because I held off on this when we were talking about Fantastic Four. But one of the scenes in there, because throughout the throughout the Marvels thing, if you haven't read it, again, go read it. But throughout it, there's all – in addition to the big story, you know, the milestone moment of the story, which for Marvels 3 is Galactus coming, there's also like little things here and there where you go, oh, 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 oh. And there's one scene where Spider-Man attacks J. Jonah Jameson in the street. Mm. And when, when I read that back then, I just thought, okay, that – must have just happened or for some reason. But now I think that they were actually referencing this story and that wasn't Spider-Man at all. It was Craven. It was Craven. Yeah, I think and you're that right. That is really cool. And honest, even having read this several times, reading it for the show, I fell for it again and thought it was Peter for a second at the bottom there. Mm-hmm. Because it, it, the, the cool thing about Lee's scripting here is everything he says is very Peter. Yeah. Um, so. Whenever... Whenever Peter sees on the news that Spider-Man's going out, mm-hmm. that means only one thing. I must be turning into Spider-Man when I'm asleep. <laughs> because that has actually happened in a previous issue. <laughs> That's right. What is those people dressing up as Spider-Man, though? Well, he has a full face mask, for one thing. Right. It does make it easy to do. Makes it much Who easier to do. We have Flash. We've had Mysterio. We've had the Chameleon. We've had Kraven. Yep. Did Electro dress up as Spider-Man? I don't think so, but I don't know. But we've had other superheroes get dressed up as too so far, so I guess it's just easy to do. I guess it's just easy to do. No, Electro didn't dress up as Spider-Man. 
But since he was able to climb the walls with a static, Jameson's like, hey, he must be Spider-Man. Which was mm-hmm. the first time he actually ever did the whole, that guy must be Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Um, after that, it just becomes like, I hate saying it's just a fight because then we're going to get letters like, this fight was important to me. But it is a big, long fight. The, I mean, they, they can share why it's important. What do you, what do you think really, is cool about it? Yeah, it was a really good fight. I enjoyed it. There's a lot of cool scenery and there's a lot of cool movement and, you know, diversity of setting in the, in the fight, but it is basically one long fight. And when I'm reading to the kids, these are the parts of the issues that become kind of tedious. And when mm-hmm. I'm reading it on my own, it's very easy to just like browse yeah. quickly through these pages. Uh huh. Cause it's like, well, oh no, he attacked me from behind, but I'll use my left foot to kick him. Oh no, right. he countered my kick with his right arm, but I'll flip him over here. And it's like, yeah, I can see that happening. You could actually take all this dialogue out and I know what's going on. Basically. There's I no, love Craven. You fool. Yeah. I cannot fight a full grown lion in his prime while you just have some sort of spider power. Uh huh. You certainly know how to hurt a person. Yeah. I actually am. I don't know why I didn't know this, but I guess I never realized how physically formidable Craven is because I always thought he was just a dude who liked to hunt. But he actually can wrestle bears and lions and sort of put up with Spider-Man for at least 10 pages. I saw a uh, Femme Craven cosplay. Mm -hmm. I think it was just this week. And it was basically this exact costume, but on a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, So a little more revealing. Well, yeah. Equal amount of revealing, but it it seems to mean more to our psyches because of the way we respond to females. Yes. Right. Um, Socially more revealing. Yeah. But... um, do I have anything else? So does this does this lady at the end become a late something, or is she just a shock that it's not Betty? Yeah, she's just a Betty stand-in because Betty has disappeared. Okay. Not a new um, character. Not a new character of importance. Okay. And That's I funny to that think, you said Veronica because she totally looks like Veronica. Well, because of Betty, right? Betty left, right? Now, it's, now it's Veronica. I know. That's hilarious. I try to think of other options for Betty, like what else she could have done, because leaving your career over a bad boyfriend seems extreme. But then I think of the sexual dynamics in the workplace on shows like Mad Men. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, this actually seems a bit more understandable. Yeah. If, if there's a bad romantic or sexual dysfunction in the workplace, that can go pretty badly for f- female employees. I wonder where Betty went. Did she, get, did she get kidnapped by someone who wants Spider-Man to take him to Asgard? <laughs> did she did she go to Philadelphia to work out her problems with the mob? <laughs> with her romantic love of her brother? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. I don't think he's really over her, but I, at least he's trying to get rid of her, I guess. I don't know, because he's all sad in the end. But He is... He is trying something. All right, Molten Man, I'll give you another shot because I know you're kind of a famous Spider-Man villain, sort of, at least a B villain, right? So Yeah. So we'll see. Maybe you'll do better this second round, but I'm not excited. I'll go ahead and say this because you won't remember when we get there, but I, I don't remember the second Molten Man story being a whole lot better than the first. All right. Because it, it doesn't have the graduation bits in it. Oh, yeah. That was the only parts we liked. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we'll we see. May, because we're we're at the end of the we're at the end of the Ditko run, mm-hmm. and anyways, all right. Guess what? What? We finished December. Oh, okay. I was just about to move on, but you're right. We have to stop. We have to stop and talk about December and talk about 1965 oh, and gosh. what that means. Mm-hmm. First of all, is picking our pickings. 
for this month. Yep. So I yes. do have the spreadsheet open this time because I finally okay. got around to updating it. All right. Go for it. Okay. So our stories, our 10 comics for this month were The X-Men 17 and None Shall Survive, which had um, the X-Men coming back and facing off with Magneto. Mm-hmm. We had Daredevil 13, The Secret of Kazar's Origin, where Daredevil, you know, Kazar coming back to America, all that stuff. Yeah. Journey into Mystery 125, the final issue, When Meet the Immortals, which had Thor versus Hercules. <gasps> Actually, not really Thor versus Hercules, but not Thor really versus yet. Asgard and Hercules wooing Showing Jane. Up. Yes, that. <laughs> and then A in setup. the back. What's that? It was a big setup, basically. Yes. And the Queen commands in the backup. They face off with the um, the the trolls, the flying trolls commanded by the Troll Queen. Mm-hmm. Then Tales to Astonish 77 has two stories in it. We have To Walk Amongst Men, where Namor headed off to find out why the surface people were destroying the planet. And he ran into the Pims and the Van Dynes. But also, Bruce Banner is the Hulk because he's in the future and Rick Jones thinks he's dead, so he tells his secret. Mm-hmm. Sergeant Fury 27, Fury Fights Alone, the origin of Fury's eye patch. Mm-hmm. Tales of Suspense 75, the Fury of the Freak. And then Captain America throws his mighty shield at Batrock the Leaper. Ooh, dang. That's a Strange good one. Tales 142. Um, kind of a random Nick story, Nick Fury story where they're fighting Mentolo uh-huh. and the Fixer and stuff. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Doctor Strange stops a bomb and then has that weird mask on his face. And the mysterious bad guy turns out to be a woman and there's nothing else going on there at all. Um, the Avengers 25 enter Doctor Doom, um, where they go to Latveria and they're like, wait a second. Remember who's in charge of Latveria? Oh, crap. It's Dr. Doom. Oh, yeah. The Fantastic 448, the coming of Galactus with the end of the Inhumans and the return of the Watcher. Amazing Spider-Man 34, the thrill of the hunt with the return of Craven and the departure of Betty Brant. Dang it. I thought I was going to be kind of rebellious and pick X-Men, but then I forgot we just covered Galactus. And how can you not pick that? Well, X-Men's great. Captain America great. was great. Yeah. Fantastic Four was great. Yeah. Event- so Amazing Spider-Man a- was decent. Avengers was decent. Was um, Hulk, yeah. Hulk and Sub- uh, Submariner were both decent. And Thor. Thor was good. Thor was good, yeah. Well, we had a lot of good. I'm actually having a hard time picking a bad right now. Because they're, yeah. they're all pretty good. I think I have one. I'm kind of torn on the two bads. I have two that are bad. Okay. Well, if you want to go first, go ahead, because I'm not sure. I can't sure. pick one. <laughs> My two bads oh. are Strange Tales 142 and Strange uh-huh. Tales 142. <laughs> yeah, I could agree with that. And I think I'm going to land on Doctor Strange. How can we I'm always, how can so we always give Sergeant Fury a pass? Just because we feel sorry for him? I don't know. I don't hate his stories. I don't hate them either, but they're kind of the same. And in this particular case, they sort of insulted me with the eye thing. So maybe well, I should go, pick that. Yeah, go for it. If that made you mad. It kind of did make me mad, yeah. Um, but Sergeant Fury rides a solid B train for me. Sometimes a C, sometimes an A-, but usually just a steady B. And um, 
I did not like this, this, the, the shield story this time. And mm-hmm. I really did not like the strange shells. Just thinking of him in that mask, sticking his little ghost head out to drive his body around. Oh, that didn't bother me. I actually thought at least he was trying to be kind of clever instead of it just being, you know, him saying Latin stuff and, and pushing through, you know, I don't know. And like but the I big gr- reveal is like, oh no, it's a woman. With no yeah. name, no character, You're right. no anything. It's just, oh, look, it's a face you've never seen before. You got that right. Although I do think S.H.I.E.L.D. was a worse read for me. I don't know. Partly because I, it was so not so bad at the reveal, I didn't even realize like the character was a first appearance, practically, you know, of the bad guy in that, in that issue. <laughs> so, which, uh, uh, which one was that? The, the Mentolo guy? The other one. The fixer. Uh, the fixer. His first appearance was the same issue as Mentolo, and I didn't. I didn't put that together because they never showed us what the guy looked like or anything. It's weird. Right. Uh, all right. I'm gonna go Sergeant Fury because I think the eye thing was just totally like a big cheat. I don't okay, like. Okay, so you're picking Sergeant Fury, and then my favorite. As much as I really kind of want to pick X Men because I feel like they heard our. They heard our complaints about not knowing how to do a decent reveal and then made an entire issue about one of the coolest reveals of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as that was really awesome, I just cannot not pick the first appearance of Galactus because come on, that's just too epic. So that's my fave. Fantastic so, Four wins. I think it's just because I have not read it as many times and because I know that we're finally getting into a continued saga for him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Captain America being my favorite okay. read this month. That was definitely fun. It was, and, and it introduced a lot of new characters. Right. And that's not to say I didn't love the others, but just like, it, this is not necessarily best and worst comic. This is what we enjoyed the most or what our favorite was of our reading experiences. And mm-hmm. honestly, Batrock, Sharon, S.H.I.E.L.D., then, all that stuff made yeah. me happy. You know what? Actually... Iron Man is only getting by my defenses because Gene Colan is drawing it right now. Mm. Because because if some mediocre artist was drawing it and it was about Happy Hogan getting turned to Frankenstein, I'm pretty sure that would be the worst read ever. That definitely, yeah, contends for low. But it's so beautiful. I just love reading it, even though the story is pretty atrocious if you think about it. And we ended it, didn't we? Didn't we get past that, this issue? No, it's to be continued. He's, he's shooting him with energy, and it's killing Iron Man, but not Franken-happy. Uh, okay. So we have to finish that next. But, uh, yeah, but it's just so gorgeous. It's like I'm giving it a pass. But I was just thinking right now as you were talking about the Cap story, like the Iron Man story is actually pretty horrible. Okay. If, on paper. Like if you said it out loud, people would be like, really? That was the story? So now that we have come to the end of a year, mm-hmm. I would like to let you know how our tastes are trending. Okay. So I keep stats of what we choose most and least every month. And I have most picks for the year. And then I have most picks of all time. Mm-hmm. So Mike, your least picked um, or your least liked story is, um, hold on. Let's make sure this is not counting wrong. One, two. Yeah. You are tied for giant man and the Hulk. I can't believe this year had a giant man, but it seems like that was so long ago now. Yeah. He had his last issues this year and you chose two of them before he left. (laughs) Well, um, doesn't surprise me. 
I'm sorry that I keep picking on the Hulk. We've actually, I think, got letters like, or at least Twitter comments or something like, why do you guys keep hating the Hulk? But like, sorry, I just don't think he's good yet. I know he gets good. And actually, I had to to revise that. You chose Giant Man twice. Mm -hmm. You chose the Hulk twice. Mm -hmm. You chose Fantastic Four twice. And Mm. you chose Daredevil twice. Okay. So all of those are tied for your most often least liked, which means there's a variety there. You're not dogging on one thing. Yeah, it's two, 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 two. That's not that many options. And actually, Fantastic Four didn't start getting good again until this year. So there was mm-hmm. that period where it was not great. It was, it was, yeah, yeah. It went through some not great stuff. Um, my most common dislikes for this year. Um, well, <laughs> I have chosen Doctor Strange the last three months in a row. Oh wow! Okay, and did not even realize that until just now. Yeah. Um, I also had Giant Man twice and Hulk twice, but Doctor Strange was my third time to pick it today. And so, yeah, Doctor Strange is my least liked strip this year. Well, they're really abusing his privilege, so I don't blame you. Like, it's just going on and on forever. It is. It is going on and on forever. Um, Your most liked is Fantastic Four. Okay. Well, this year had that real long run of them being awesome, so mm-hmm. it doesn't surprise me. Starting and- with the Frightful Four. Before tonight, you had Spider-Man tied with Fantastic Four, each of them being three, but choosing mm. Fantastic Four a fourth time tonight made them your most faked. Well, Spider-Man has been kind of trailing a little bit. He used to be an easy pick. Now I'm kind of feeling like a little ho-hum about him. But I have chosen both Spider-Man and Fantastic Four four times. Okay. Each. So, right. um, yeah. I don't really have a second place. Captain America I've chosen twice, so I guess he's my second place. Well, Cap's just ramping up, so I guess it'll be interesting to see the stats next year as to whether I pick that more. But up until now, he hasn't had his own life yet. So, Shall we look at our um, all-time choices? Okay. So for the entire show to date, your most common disliked series is the Ant-Man. <laughs> the Ant-Man, Ant-Man and – okay, so both. It includes both. Yeah, Ant-Man, Giant-Man is one, is one stat. All right. Not not surprising again. <laughs> uh, my most chosen is the Human Torch. Oh yeah, which is over now, so that's going to start going down compared to the others. Yeah, that was some um, rough stuff. Of all time, you and I—I'm sorry, not of all time, but of us together, our your and my Giant Man stats and your and my Torch stats. Mm-hmm. balance each other out and become our two most chosen. <laughs> okay. Well, that's also not too surprising. Yeah. With Thor's a very close second. Oh, really? Wow. Remember all those really rough Thor stories early on? Uh-huh. We pounded on Thor a lot early yes. on. He's finally getting pretty awesome now, but there was yeah. a time where they didn't know what to do with him, I think. Yeah, it was it was it was rough. Mm-hmm. So those are our dislikes. Um, our likes, your most commonly liked book is Spider-Man with what? Fantastic Four a touch behind. I'm never going to live this down if anybody who knew me growing up hears this. <laughs> he was, have, I was always at war with Spider-Man. I can't believe that. That's funny. You have chosen the Hulk once. For love? For love. Wow. And you have chosen Captain America once. Wow. Now, granted, you did choose that one Sergeant Fury because it had Captain America in it, but still. <laughs> well, that was also a good story. But uh, yeah, Cap was like, you know, either World War II weirdness or just a lot of like, he's the weakest Avenger. Let's attack him stuff. So right. we're finally getting to like him some world building. So hopefully that'll be cool. 
And, you know, Spider-Man is pretty awesome, especially these early days stories. It's hard to argue that it wasn't the best thing on the newsstand. And it's it's no surprise that he is by far my most chosen like. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fantastic Four is a distant second. So put us together for both of us all time. Spider-Man far in the front. Fantastic Four a distant second, but still far ahead of everybody else. Which 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 jives with uh, thoughts on the 60s in general with Marvel, right? Most people, mm-hmm. I mean, Fantastic Four and Spider-Man were probably their biggest selling books, right? Yep. I would imagine. Now, granted, they have not run for very long, but the two books that you and I have never hated uh-huh. are S.H.I.E.L.D. and Namor. Okay, well, that is pretty new. And S.H.I.E.L.D. almost took it this week. Yeah, this I was going to say, you almost picked it tonight, so we'll see. And the two goes. things we have never loved, mm-hmm. Torch and Namor. We have never loved a Human Torch story. We never liked the Human Torch more than anything else. We had some Human Torch stories we liked. We did. But never more than anything else on the stands. It was probably because it was like butted up against the first issue of Green Goblin or something. And you just couldn't pick it. Right, right. I think sometimes it's just bad luck. Because sometimes there's a story I really like. But it's like, yeah, but compared to this other story that came out the same week, I can't pick it. (laughs) Any other week, I would have picked it. You have also never hated Doctor Strange or the X-Men? I have never hated Doctor Strange? Right. That truly shocks me. Okay. And you've never loved um, Doctor Strange? Well, that yeah, doesn't that, shock that, me. Yeah. So he's always just kind of middle of the road for me, I guess. I guess. I have never, other than the two that we both never hated and both never loved, I have also never hated Captain America or Sergeant Fury. And I have never loved Iron Man. Yeah, Iron Man. So you're saying I hated a Captain America story? I must have. Was it the prison one? That was pretty stupid. Yeah. I don't know. It was It was one of those early solos before he went back in time. I think it was the prison one. I remember finding that really, really dumb. And, and yes, with the, uh, with the stupid clock that needed him to say Captain America to get out of. Yes. And he had to break into the prison to break out of the prison. Yes. All that yes. was just ridiculously dumb. Anyway. That was the, that was the one time you hated Captain America, mm-hmm. and now it's stuck there forever. We can never say you never hated Cap. I'm sure it probably won't be the last one because you know we'll get a lot more of these under their belt, and some story will be dumb. But now I don't know if we're ready to do this yet. But at some point, it might behoove us to break this down into weeks instead of months because we're getting so many comics. But we're uh-huh. writing this ten issue, twelve story ride for a long time. Yeah, when we're into like 40 a month, we it might be really difficult to pick one favorite. Mhm. Mhm. But anyways, any of that any of that surprise you? I would say mostly no, except for the parts where you said like I didn't ever pick a bad Doctor Strange, that kind of surprises me. Mhm. I think maybe there've been I, some rough Doctor Stranges. There have been, but he's also like a shorter story than other things, so maybe like it's harder to hate because there's only 8 pages of it or something. I don't know. I kind of forget and don't take those Literal ones as seriously, but uh, nah, I don't know. Spider-Man being my number one choice, gah, kind of embarrassing, but not uh, <laughs> not surprising because they have been. Of course, he's like groundbreaking at this point in his career. So, and it'll All probably right. only get worse because Ramita's coming, and I love me some Spider-Man Ramita. So that's going to be really exciting. Yes, that is actually yeah, really exciting. All, All right, right, shall we dive into the beginning of the next year? So, 1965 is done under the belt. And you, ha- and you have to kick us off. Now, when we started this show, my personal read-through of, of Marvel 
was in late 1966. It was mid 1966. Mm. Um, it is now in January of 1967. I have made very little progress <laughs> <laughs> on my own read through. Uh huh. Well, now you don't have to. Yeah, we're going to catch up to me and I'm just going to be there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the X Men number 18 is our first comic of 1966 released on january 4th if Iceman should fail is the title of the story um we open with the x-men stuck in a bubble being carried off into space by a balloon one by one the x-men have been defeated by the most powerful the most deadly foe of all for those of you who careless enough to have missed our previous issue, we shall go back a bit in an effort to bring you up to date, thus proving no sacrifice is too great for us to make in this, the magnificent new Marvel Age of Comics. But uh, don't expect us to make a habit of it, you hear? <laughs> Far above Earth, a balloon is drifting, climbing ever higher toward the distant substratosphere, bringing the X-Men closer to their doom. And that, that was the catch up. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all you need, right? A Fair Story by Stan Lee. Adequate Art by Jay Gavin, who still has not unmasked as Werner Roth yet. Tolerable Inking by Dick Ayers. And The World's Greatest Lettering by Artie Simic, Marvel's Birthday Boy of the Month. Oh, wow. I wonder if he was like 15 or 65. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know either. (laughs) Um, So yeah, Magneto is down on the ground um, thinking about how he has sent the X-Men off into space in the metal balloon, it's pretty great. He um, he grabs Xavier's mansion and wrenches it off the ground and then slams it back down because he has a better idea. Mm-hmm. He goes inside, inside and starts wrecking the house, pulling all the stuff off the walls, knocking down that one suit of armor until he goes into the room with Cerebro, which is screeching because there's a big powerful mutant there. So what does Magneto do? He destroys Cerebro. He wrecks it with his magnetic powers. And uh, now that he's the new owner of the building, we have visitors, and we have now caught up to the ending cliffhanger. He goes to the door and knocks on it. Who are you? I? I am power. Men call me Magneto. And now, come in. So he looks into the eyes of the parents of Warren Worthington III, and using his power of magnetic attraction... Come on he, now. He makes them take off their clothes and he had threesome. That's what it means with attraction, right? Right? Right. Right. No. That's what I would do. He, uh, he hypnotizes them into thinking that they're sleepy. They go upstairs and take a little nap. Yeah. Um, so Magneto's like, okay, beating all the X-Men. That's pretty cool. Except, oh crap, the Iceman. But that's okay. He's the weakest Avenger. I mean, X-Man. Yeah. Captain America's reading this and starts laughing. <laughs> um, back at the hospital where the Iceman is laying delirious, the doctor's like, hey, I've got those new sulfa drugs, and I'm going to put them in this really cool pneumatic injection machine. I'm going to fire it into Iceman's arm to see if it'll make him well. Spoilers, it does. Up in the balloon capsule, Xavier's like, I must use my brain! And he frazzles the device that has been attached to his brain, theoretically making his brain unfrazzleable, but turns out his brain can still frazzle. 
he wakes up the other X-Men. Hey, guess what? X-Men, we are, um, we're going to like go into space. And so we need to like not go into space. So can we go down? Um, meanwhile, Magneto is back at the house and he is setting up this machine. He has figured out, okay, so the angel is a mutant. So whatever makes mutants must have been in his parents. And I have his parents. So I'll take this machine that's going to scan them and find whatever it is in their essence that makes mutants happen. And I'm going to use that to make more mutants. So he does. Mm -hmm. He makes living creatures out of nothing except a scan of Warren's parents. But that's okay. Meanwhile, the Iceman is feeling all better. He wakes up. Hey, why am I in the hospital? Where is everybody? I should go home. So he does. He ices his way out of the hospital and goes home. Meanwhile, we get a, um, uh, let's see. I think Xavier scans Magneto's brain uh -huh. to find out where he came from because he had been kidnapped by the stranger. Uh -huh. And turns out Magneto and the Toad were hanging out on the stranger's planet going, I hate being on the stranger's planet. We're, we've been here for months. We're humiliated. And Toad is like, I love you, Magneto. And Magneto is like, I know, Toad. And I want to use this ship and I want to go back to, to Earth. And Toad's like, yeah, I love you, Magneto. And Magneto's like, I know, Toad, but you're going to stay here because I don't love you. Um, he blasts off, leaving Toad behind with no one to love. Mm -hmm. The Iceman arrives at the mansion. He penetrates while Magneto is creating all the mutants in the big glass um, vacuum tubes. Um, doop, 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 doop. Iceman versus Magneto. Magneto versus Iceman. Cyclops blasts a hole into their capsule and therefore through the top of the parachute, which therefore lets up enough air to have them fall in a controlled descent to the ground so they can help Iceman beat Magneto. Um, and they do. They beat and Magneto. They do. No, they don't. No, they don't. Xavier is like, guess what, Magneto? Your best friend is coming back to town. And Magneto is like, Toad, where? I left him behind. No, it's the stranger. The stranger, like in, in like Falcor ghost form, like comes back to. Uh... <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> comes back to the. <laughs> exactly. I'll try you. <laughs> stranger. <laughs> um, anyways, the stranger comes back. He whisks uh, Magneto back into the sky. Everyone goes inside. They blow up all of the stuff from Magneto making mutants. And they wake up Angel's parents who are like, huh, I had a lovely night's sleep. Yes, damn. And they go downstairs and everyone's high. Um, and of course, Jean Grey has an apron on and is serving bread because she's a woman. Wow. You know, I almost voted X-Men 17 as my favorite of the month if it wasn't for the whole Galactus thing. And I might vote for 18 as the least because, I mean, I haven't finished the month, but I think this has to be the worst one ever. This is, is so bad. It is definitely a letdown after the promise of last issue. Oh, my God. Yes, it is. I like the stuff with the Iceman. Like, but okay. there's so little of the comic that deals with that. Yeah. Nor does he end up being the one who beats Magneto. So it kind of was a big buildup for nothing. Like, the X-Men show up to help him and then... Doctor or the stranger just takes care of it. Right. So at no point did Cyclops or Iceman actually prove himself and beat one of the most powerful villains they've ever faced. He had to get he help. Just, 
Yeah, and even them out. didn't have enough. They had to get help too. And the all, and the entire time they were fighting, Professor X was telling him what to do. So mm-hmm. that didn't really make him like this cool hero either to me. But but my God, like so many bad things. <laughs> like right out of the gate, how the X Mansion is the same technology as Ant Man's self-contained houses where i guess if you uproot them it doesn't matter they're still connected somehow to plumbing and electricity and well yeah and 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 remember this is the same i mean this is the same medium of storytelling where hercules decides to move the island of manhattan mm, right that's the ending of the episode right where until hercules moves the island of manhattan <laughs> <laughs> god there's all that the he can hypnotize people with his magnetic attraction. I mean, are they even trying? That was right. just that made me groan out loud when I read that. I think. And he fully destroys Cerebro, which mm-hmm. you know, Magneto makes a comment that this is created to warn Xavier of the presence of dangerous mutants. Mm-hmm. He'll have no further use for that. That was not initially why we were told Cerebro existed, mm-hmm. but. Through a series of small comments, they have come full retcon on Cerebro's purpose. Um, but this is also Cerebro that does not require his telepathy to work, right? Right. So why on earth would a guy who wants to raise a mutant army not want a device that lets you find really powerful mutants? That would be a great question to ask Magneto whenever he's ready for some hindsight. Right. I could see it if, like, you have to have telepathy to use it. Although we know that he has telepathy too, apparently. But like, if it before didn't we, function for him. Before we but, get further into the story, did you notice whose name was absent from the art credits? Is Jack Kirby gone now? He is off the layouts. He was doing layouts for the last several issues. Thirteen or fourteen was his last drawn issue. I think it might have been mm-hmm. earlier than that. But um, Jay Gavin, aka Werner Roth, is going to be doing the art on this book for a while now. Well. I'll give it props for that. I don't think the art's all that bad. I didn't have a problem with it. It was cool. Mm-hmm. Horrible story being drawn, but the actual <laughs> characters and stuff looked cool. Um, I kind of like his actual take on Magneto. It, you know, even even as much as magnetic attraction made me groan, that face is kind of neat. Yeah. I don't know. So stuff like we, that. We had the entire previous issue built around the fact that the Worthingtons were coming to the mansion and all the other X-Men were getting sucked in by this terrible force and it would really be Magneto facing off with Worthington's parents and this issue opens with sweeping them aside and putting them upstairs and turning them into a plot device. Yeah, yeah. they weren't even really in any danger. They're just like guinea pigs, basically. I was really curious to see, like, was he going to try and convince them that he was a good guy? Was he going to, like, torture them? Was he going to what? But, like, they just go to bed. Yeah. And then they wake up and don't remember anything. And Magneto's whole thing about making mutants out of nothing, he will come back to this later. Hey, there's a whole so group called the Savage Land Mutates. I don't like that idea, and I can't figure out why I don't. Other than maybe it feels like it's undercutting the actual mutant cause somehow, but I'm not sure why. <sighs> what, why is it not? It's it's lame, but I'm not. I don't know why it is. Like, why is that a thing that I wouldn't do if I was a guy trying to fight for mutant rights? Make more mutants in a test tube. How does that work? Um. Okay. For me, the reason it reads wrong is. He's scanning two parents mm-hmm. of a mutant to find the mutation. Whenever mutation specifically comes from the process of the next generation's development. Like, yeah. There may be something going on in either father or mother that leads to the mutation, 
but the mutation is the result of the genes coming together in an unexpected way in a new generation. So that's one thing. Right. Another thing is he's not making people. He's making putty patrols. Right. He's making maskless creatures. I'm sorry, faceless creatures that he's going to call mutants. And he's, he's turning them out of energy zaps in a vacuum tube. <laughs> yeah. He's literally forming life out of nothingness. I mean, obviously the science is horrible, but like, you're right. It's like they're faceless. They're like automaton troops for him to order around as opposed to being someone who is trying to help mutants who have a bad time right now because everybody hates mutants, right? Like, how is this going to make hating mutants go away? It's not. Well, and and we haven't really gotten that as a motivation for Magneto yet. Magneto is all about defeating humans and taking over the world. That's true. He does make all the wrong choices, but like... I don't know. It's just, just, it doesn't seem like they're going to be individuals or anything. So he's just going to be their king, their ruler, and they're going to be like these mindless, powerful creatures that are technically mutants, I guess. Unless mm-hmm. Reed Rich- if Reed Richards made them, would we call them mutants? No. Right. I don't know. So that just seemed odd. Um, Xavier just starts reading Magneto's mind like it hasn't already been established. That is not something he can just easily do. Yeah. And by the way, that's another thing I hate about this story is – the explanation of how he escaped the stranger was really lame. It's like, oh, there's just a whole stock of rocket ships right here. I'll take one of them home. And the stranger's just not watching us. Why have they been there for months? What is he doing to them? They're not even, like, sweating or anything. They still have their outfits. It's, it actually looks like they have a nice castle life or something. Mm-hmm. What, did he, what did he want them for? No reason? It's a good question. I do not know. Why is, is he it? not on the lab table being dissected or something? Ooh. But, and yeah, poor, I don't have toad. a lot to say about the rest of this. Yeah. I just was like so disappointed with the promise that that last one gave me. Uh, but oh well. Magneto's back, everybody. It does say a new type of foe, a new type of story, and a new type of action next issue. Mm-hmm. And I'm super curious because I don't remember what that's going to be. So I'm just going to kind of take a sneakity peekity. X-Men. Oh. X-Men 19. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm not sure that the stories are going to be great, but iconic <laughs> – iconic Silver Age character for the X-Men coming in next issue. Very DC character. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, throw that one away, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Daredevil? Daredevil 14. Okay, full disclosure, I read this 16 years ago, so I'm hoping I can remember it, but let's see. I'll be with you, buddy. I'm going to hold your hand through it. We'll wake up. If this be justice, Daredevil number 14 when a man faces death, they say that his past flashes before him as a high-velocity rifle grenade explodes near Daredevil and Kazar. Each sees an image in its his mind's eye. For Kazar, it is the face of Lord Parnival Plunder, the jungle monarch's evil brother. While Daredevil sees black because he's blind, so why would he even do that? No, the visages of Foggy Nelson and Karen Page, the two people who matter most in all the world to him. Another Mighty Marvel movie-length bombshell, Story Stanley penciling awesome John Romita, inking Frankie Ray, all the above, plus lettering Artie Simek. What more could a Marvelite want? Have they ever called us Marvelite before? That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know if they have. Have we anyway. talked about how – just, just – I'm sorry. Have Go we ahead. talked about how they're calling this the Marvel Age of Comics? We definitely and, have talked about that. And how the, the term Silver Age wouldn't come until later. Mm-hmm. What we think of as the Silver Age, Marvel calls the Marvel Age. The term Silver Age wouldn't come out about until you know down the road. Anyways, yeah. 
they use like, the term last comics. I thought about it. They're like, uh, I think we have talked about how they're kind of just coining their own age for themselves, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is pretty. Because they're pretty, cool. Yeah, well, it's a lot of nice hype, but I don't know if they've called us Marvelites. That's kind of neat. Um, yeah, so I can't. Oh, like they're running away uh, because of that dumb vibranium coin, that thing that's not really called vibranium, but what Kazar and Daredevil had and plunder like. He called the cops on him basically and pretend because he pretends that he's just like a regular old rich guy. So he called the cops when they escaped. And that like this is all last issue, but that like let all the spies also in on it. And so somebody just shot a bomb. And like I said, they're unconscious and he steals the vibranium back. And I think it's the butler that they were all he's being working mean for to. the butler. But he's working for the butler. But the butler is really working for uh, Russia, maybe. I don't know. But Daredevil wakes up and follows the guy back and eavesdrops and uh, the plunderer is like mad at the butler and then the dude comes in and says, hey, why don't you double my money? I'll give you this vibranium and ends up accidentally shooting the butler while he's trying to shoot the plunderer and the plunderer beats him up and now the plunderer has the vibranium again and he's like, yay, what am I going to do with it? But before he can do anything, Daredevil attacks him. They get into a big fight, but then the cops show up with Kazar because they found him just unconscious on the ground where Daredevil left him. The cops think that Kazar is a bad guy because the plunderer, who's rich and powerful in this little place they're living, called the cops on him. So they're like, what would you like us to do with this Lord Plunder? He's like, I want you to put him in jail. And I want you to put Daredevil in jail too. And he acts like he can't even fight anymore and stuff. And Daredevil's like, well, I'm outnumbered. So he escapes, crashes through a window, gets away. They arrest Kazar. Um, the plunderer uses the coin, joins it with the coin that his father, the half of the coin that his father gave him. It turns into like Voltron, and then it opens the He-Man sword. And then next thing you know, he's like invented this really cool gun, vibro gun thing, and he puts on the weirdest costume ever and calls himself the plunderer. So he's like got a cape and stuff and his gun. And basically what you know- the gun on his belt is a crown with two coins on it. Mm-hmm. It's such a weird representation of where he came from. It's two half coins on their side or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think the gun like renders all weapons useless or something like that. So his plan is to go around when rendering weapons useless. Meanwhile, back in the States, Foggy. <gasps> and- you know who he is? Huh? He's the metal master from the Incredible Hulk number six. He can destroy any metal on earth with his gun. Oh, yeah. Same idea. That's what it is. That's what it is. He kills. He doesn't render weapons useless. He kills metal or something. Right. Um, Back in the States, Foggy and Karen are all happy that they hear from Matt because they thought maybe he died at that when the pirates plundered his vacation boat. Boy, it's a really complicated story. Um, But he sent him a message that says, hey, you got to come to um, England to represent this guy, Kazar. And they're like, wow, how does Matt know Kazar? We'll figure that out later. So they go to England together. And by the way, the entire time thought balloons of Karen. Oh, I'm so in love with Matt and Foggy. Like Matt's my best friend, but I kind of hate him because he loves Karen, and I love Karen too. Um, Plunderer sews more of those weird outfits for more people and creates a group. Daredevil's following along the whole time. He knocks out one of the stragglers and also puts on the weird outfit so he can like infiltrate the group. Uh, the group attacks a local army base. And the plunderer's weapon works. All the all the machine guns like kind of disappear, and everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, without weapons, we can't be forceful and stuff." Oh no! And so they all surrender, 
And Daredevil's like, well, now's my chance. I better fight them because I think they're going to get gunned down or something. He's going to gun down these soldiers or something. So he gets in the fray and he starts attacking the entire uh, group. Since he doesn't have a machine gun, I guess the plunderer's weapon is kind of pointless. But they also all have weapons, so they try and kill him. Uh, meanwhile, Kazar is on trial and it's in England. So they all wear wigs and stuff. And he's like in chains for some reason. And uh, he gets mad and he breaks the chains and he goes crazy and they shoot him with gas pellets and knock him out. Daredevil, I can't remember what he figures out. He figures out there's a weakness or something. Oh, Daredevil's like, uh, he, something. He, he, well, he something beats about, up the plunderer and unmasks him. That too, but something about the sound makes him realize that it doesn't work on plastic and he gets word to the government to make plastic guns. That's so right. they do and that works. Which is also uh, how they beat the Metal Master. Which is also how they beat, they probably just had him in the Metal Master, uh, you know, locker room or something. So um, that makes Kazar a free man. Suddenly Matt's there and they're like, hey, Matt, how'd you know Kazar? And he's like, I don't know. I'm not going to talk about that right now. But I'm going to go back to, or they're like, can you please come back to the law offices of Nelson and Murdoch? I never even took your name off the door. We miss you, pal. We can make this work. And he's like, okay. And then Karen's like, yay, I hope to have his baby someday. And Foggy's like, yay, I'm glad he's back. But I also still hate him. And they leave Kazar like unconscious in bed with thoughts like, I wonder what he's going to do when he wakes up. And they go back to the States, the end. So the weird thing about Foggy and Karen in this issue is they enter the issue because Matt's in England and calls them and says, hey, can you come help defend this Kazar guy? He's uh-huh. been arrested. Uh-huh. So they're like, we know nothing about British law. We're only licensed to practice law in the state of New York. But sure, let's fly to the United Kingdom so we can defend a man in a British court of law. And Matt doesn't show up to meet them. They have to go to court without having spoken to Matt. And or then the Kazar. Very of the issue, they meet Matt and Matt's like, okay, let's go back home. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, no one says, dude. <laughs> um, I couldn't remember what they said. But they're just so happy he's coming back. They don't really question it. You're right. I will say at least they have an actual like English lawyer actually doing the law part, I think. Yeah, because Foggy's like, I guess I'll have to figure this out when I get to the courtroom. And I'm like, no, Foggy, you really should figure this out before you get to the courtroom. But then, yeah, there's an actual other person there that Foggy is just, I guess, supporting, but not really. Which I assume is okay, as long as there's a lead guy who know, who is actually licensed. But I could be wrong. But also, like... To your point, why even fly over there at all since they did nothing? Because Kazar escapes or tries to escape, they knock him out, and then Daredevil's the one who proves his innocence. So they didn't even need to go over there. Right. Their existence meant nothing, really. It it, it literally meant nothing to the story. Mm -hmm. It was a bunch of much ado about nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, Feepers. Like, I thought Feepers was like a nickname, but like everybody calls him Feepers. Like, Mm -hmm. that's his name. He calls himself Feepers. Oh, no, the the uh, Feepers is the butler, right? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. That was a very convoluted business, and it also felt kind of like they get away for five seconds, and then it starts all over again because the coin went right back. So, I don't know. It seemed like kind of stuffing, padding. I think I mentioned this last time we covered Daredevil. Mm-hmm. I looked up the Plunderer because I really wasn't sure mm-hmm. how much he mattered and he is actually a significant part of Kazar's saga. He, he's one of Kazar's yeah. recurring threats. He gets a better just, outfit. 
he does need a better outfit. He's like no. some sort of Moonstone kind of guy now. No, he gets one because I remember as soon as I saw page 10, I had to look him up and see if there's a more modern take uh, on him because okay. this is not great. And there is. He gets a little better. Page at the top there, he kind of reminds me of um, Puppet Master. Uh-huh. Also reminds me of the looter from a soon Spider-Man issue. Just like random people playing with random radioactive stuff. Mm-hmm. But even this stuff is like a question to me. Like there's this vault that only can be opened by the coin if it's put together. But like, how did that exist? How did the dad create a vault that did the key? Does the coin also close the vault? Like, how does this work? I don't know. I don't get it. And inside the vault is just more of this coin. And it's all just this vibrating thing that any metal that gets near it disappears. But yet he's using these tongs that look like metal to build something with it. Mm, So it's just weird. I don't know. It's not really spelled out how it works. So just to clarify for the listeners, they're not actually calling this vibranium. They're calling everything related to it as vibration related. Mm -hmm. He makes a vibra ray. He calls this vibrating ore. And it's later retconned to be a form of vibranium. We haven't actually met officially vibranium yet in the comics. No. In the Wikipedia thing, it's like some sort of weird offshoot of vibranium for some reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wrote down that lawyers can't just go to other countries and be lawyers. They can't even so what, necessarily go to other states within the U.S. and be lawyers. So what do you think of his plan of having one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight dudes with machine guns and him with a gun that kills guns and he's going to take over the world? I feel like he won't get very far. Well, he does manage to beat the first army. So he's like, mm-hmm. you know, so far, so good. Yeah, but his plan's like world domination. I feel like if he just threw 100 guys at him with just their fists, he'd, they'd win. Because this gun makes metal disappear. So what? We have the thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I feel like it he, wasn't he, that dangerous. He does have delusions of land grandeur. Mm-hmm. From this glorious moment on, you are pirates no longer. Instead, you are military officers under my mm-hmm. command. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, sure, boss, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not official, but okay. Um, I like it when um, Daredevil pulls a Batman. Oh, with, he, what, with the outfit change? Or? Yeah, he takes the mask off and has his mask on under the mask. Oh, that, yeah. But I feel with like... His, with his horns. I feel like this, yeah. This is the second time, though, that he's... Uh, dressed as a bad guy and i kind of like those scenes i don't know if that's like a thing he does all the time but he did that with um um um, those those animal men too i believe he dressed as the frog that's kind of funny did we already make the joke about how daredevil is actually more of a batman than batman is because he has a bat well he's blind oh he sees with a radar radar sense yeah i mean he has literal bat powers yes he does Batman I wonder if they thought about does that. Not. <laughs> I wonder if they thought about that when they made him. I would like to think they did. I mean, we give Bob King crap for coming up with Birdman, mm-hmm. but honestly, Batman, the bat is just a cooler concept to the look. There's mm-hmm. nothing batty about Batman. <laughs> not really, other than the scallop, the the scallops on his uh, cape. Which are kind of like the wings of a bat, but like, yeah. Yeah, just just the look of his costume, but like there's no, of course, doesn't have any powers. So I guess dressing up like a bat is as Batman as you can get with any powers. But that is true because like I used to think like Daredevil only became the Batman of Marvel once Frank Miller got involved kind of. But but I bet you if you look at 1965 Batman, he's very much like 1965 Daredevil, kind of just like not as scary and evil as he ends up being in the 80s and 90s and now. 
I read an issue of The Brave and the Bold today, which uh-huh. for those who don't know, that's the Batman team-up comic, mm-hmm. and is the Teen Titans. And these teenagers in Gotham had hidden a bomb in the city. Of course. And they're like, we're not going to tell you where the bomb is unless you arrest all the drug pushers and all of the organized crime in the city. Wow. All by yourself. And so you know what? You did it. They do. Uh-huh. Gotham PD arrests all the pushers and all the mobsters in the city because these kids said we have a bomb. And Gotham City was happily ever after. That sounds like a Daredevil story, totally. Yeah, that was ni- 1970s, so, you know, not super dark Batman yet. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. I'm kind of glad it's over. I'm interested to see, like, let's move forward, because this is like, is this the second or the third Ks are in a row we've read now? This is part three? Or part two. This part is three. part three. Yeah. Because yeah, they had going to Skull Island and meeting Kazar, mm-hmm. fighting in the Savage Land, and now we're in England. Yeah, maybe one too many parts. Maybe. 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 I think the first two probably could have been consolidated. This is a nice bringing King Kong back to the island kind of thing, where he knows, like, taking the idea and changing up the setting. Uh-huh. And and once again, what is it with them wanting Daredevil to be continental all the time? Like, oh, like hopping to different places? Like, I didn't love when he went to, uh, I don't even know where he went, the castle, remember that? Right, for that, that guy who was... Like, dude, the dude's a street hero. Can't he just stick to his block? I don't know. <laughs> like, what does he keep going to, like, Alaska for to take on the snowman or whatever? Not Daredevil. That's weird. It is a little bit weird. You are correct. Yeah. Next issue is back to street crime. Good. Um, Looking Didi forward fights to his it. strongest foe, Tease. He is somebody we've seen before. Stilt man. No, a, a, a powerhouse we've seen before. Oh. I'm not going to say who it is, but he's uh, he's going to fight a, a strong person. Or as my son likes to say, a strong. A strong? Mm-hmm. I like me a good strong. I always want at least one strong on the team, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, they start heading back to the uh, to the States, and Matthew is thinking it's going to be a really long plane ride because uh-huh. they want to know everything that's been happening to Matt Murdock since he's been out of the country. <laughs> and I guess since I'm complaining, like, that didn't last very long either. Three whole issues, this whole breakup. Well, yeah, because that just, yeah, like you said, just to remind everybody, they, Matt left the partnership. Uh-huh. And now he's just like, and I'm back. It reminds me of like, remember when Jane Foster quit and we're like, oh, that's interesting. And then a minute later, she's not quit anymore. Right. It's like a little too wrapped up too fast. Agreed. Okay. So should we talk about what they're going to do next month? Yeah. Homework. Homework. We have a brand new series starting, not next month, our next episode. And that is the series known as Thor. Ooh. So you want to read issue 126. They just pick up the numbering from another random comic, um, Journey into Mystery, that has wrapped up recently. So Thor 126, Tales to Astonish 78, Sergeant Fury 28, and Tales of Suspense 76. That's right. I've read all those. Have I'm you? I'm ready. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, since they're going to be reading these, where can they uh, find us if they want to? MakeOursMarvel.com has uh, the links to our social media, both Facebook and Twitter. Has, of course, all the episodes on there, so you could just 
peruse there and see if there's any covers that grab you, any episodes you want to listen to, which you can do on the site, or you could just type Make Ours Marvel into your favorite podcast app. That's probably easier and what everybody does. Um, but while you're on the site, you could also use the contact form or just write directly podcast at makearsmarvel.com and let us know what you think. We'll write, we'll read it uh, and comment on it someday on a future episode of Mailbag. We just recorded a mailbag episode last week, which you have already heard by this point because of the you know weird recording schedule we do. But um, we're trying to make those a, a thing, so there should be another one in the near future. Um, you can follow Mike on Twitter at Kaiser the Great. You can follow me on Twitter at John Reads Comics. Neither Kaiser nor John has an H in it. Uh, you can also follow my. <laughs> uh huh. That's true. My other shows, um, Return to Cybertron, a Transformers UK podcast. There was just an episode out yesterday. So every time you hear this episode, a new episode of this show, I just put out an episode of the other show. So it's over there at Return to Cybertron, um, where I'm talking about Marvel comics and cartoons featuring the Transformers. Also, I do an Image Comics podcast, walking through Image Comics in the order of a publication at all the pouches and image comics podcast you can find that on twitter at all the pouches and the transformers thing at tfuk podcast on twitter and i guess that is everything that's it so we'll be back next week but until then or until the watcher goes on trial for all of his blasted interferences make ours marvel marvel.